Hey lovelies and welcome back to the Matcha Diaries. In today's episode we are joined by a very special guest, Stephanie, who runs the Instagram page Fun Shit Blog. Steph uses her platforms like YouTube and her blog entries and Instagram to talk about sobriety and wellness and breaks the stigmas around alcohol and sobriety at our age. In this episode, Steph opens up about her sobriety journey, how it's affected her relationships with other people and her relationship with herself. She also talks about the positive effects of going sober, as well as her advice for tackling any social situations and social pressures being sober. We loved having this conversation and bringing awareness to this topic, so we hope you enjoy. Just to get us started, do you just want to give our listeners a quick intro about yourself for everyone who may not know you yet? Um, All right, so I am Steph. I'm from Seattle originally, like the Seattle area, but I moved down to the central coast of California to go to college, and I'm now a senior, fourth year in college, whatever you want to call it, (laughs) and I have been sober for just over 10 months now, so I got sober in March of 2020, so right kind of when the pandemic hit, Mm -hmm. and that was just because it was after many years of dealing with an unhealthy relationship with alcohol just all throughout high school and all throughout college and so I think for so long I was putting off being sober even though I knew I kind of needed to do it because I wanted to turn 21 and become legal in the United States to drink Mm. and my 21st birthday was kind of like I was so excited for it and then I ended up not really remembering any of it and so that was kind of the turning point for me to really check out like what is going on and kind of actually get help because for so long I was telling my friends that I was going to get help because you know they were always having to take care of me after parties and Mm. they kind of saw me at my worst so that was kind of like the final decision so for like six months after that I worked on getting sober and then I finally did it and it finally stuck in March so since then I have started a blog a YouTube channel and an Instagram page all for just promoting sobriety at a young age because I think it is so stigmatized and not talked about enough because I went I remember going to my first counseling appointment and he was like oh I think one of the best things for you would be to join a support group where you can meet other people your age going through this and so I did that and for eight weeks I was the only student who showed up (laughs) so that was like kind of defeated the point because it wasn't even a group it was just me and so that's when I started to feel really alone and that's when I realized you know there's probably so many other people out there who are just afraid to to talk about this because it's not talked about. Mm. Yeah, so that's why I kind of started the blog and started just being vulnerable and putting my story out there. And ever since, it's kind of people have come to me saying that I've inspired them and helped them. So I think what I was hoping to do, I've been doing. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, no, definitely. And congrats on going sober and like staying sober for 10 months. That's really incredible. Thank you. And I mean, just for me personally... Like, I've really loved reading your blog, and I think ever since we did the episode on alcohol, I've kind of just been, like, reevaluating my own relationship more and more, because I do think it's so normalized in our society, and, like, if somebody had told me a year ago, or when I was 16, God forbid, you know, Mm -hmm. you're gonna not want to drink someday, I would have been like, what? No way, you know, like, alcohol is just seen as such a mandatory part of being like a young person especially like in your 20s 
especially at college or university so I think props to you for even like you know putting that public as well because that must have been I don't know I would imagine that to be quite a scary step yeah it was pretty scary I was kind of the same way where my dad also had alcohol issues and he's been sober for 30 years so he would kind of tell me and my twin sister like all throughout high school like the dangers of alcohol and all this and I kind of would just be like ah (laughs) and not really pay attention because like you said like I would never ever think of myself as ever becoming sober especially like at that young of an age Mm. and it is so normalized and like coming out about being sober was really hard for me because I didn't want to become that sober girl or the girl who had the drinking problem like I didn't want that to become my identity but honestly like one of the reasons why I decided to finally do it was just because I was tired of coming up with excuses of why I'm not drinking like I did everything I told people I was on antibiotics I told people that I have to go to work in the morning and pretty soon after I was telling people I was on antibiotics for like three weeks they were like are you okay what's wrong (laughs) so I was just kind of (laughs) terminal illness yeah I was just sick of coming up with all these excuses sick of people offering me drinks when I would go out and so I posted, I first posted on my like personal Instagram where all my friends and family follow. Mm -hmm. And that was like the scariest thing. I I posted about it and then didn't look at my phone for like four hours because I just didn't want to deal with all the texts and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, But after doing that, I'm sure like there are people who, because I've always, I was always afraid of what people were going to think of me. And that's always been something that I struggle with is other people's perceptions of me. So I didn't want to ruin other people's perceptions of me in a way. And I know there's people probably who are judging me for this or whatnot, but they, I've decided, are not the ones who matter because the people who are coming forward Mm. and telling me that I inspire them are the ones who really matter throughout this and they're why I'm doing Mm. what I'm doing. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And I mean, how did people react when you first started telling them, like on your personal Instagram story? So it was funny because I was so nervous, like... It was right when quarantine hit, so uh, it was only me in my in my house. I lived with eight other girls, but they all went home for quarantine, and so it was just me, and my boyfriend was there with me, and when two of my roommates came back, they were like, let's drink tonight, like, we have nothing else to do, let's get fucked up, and so I immediately thought, oh my gosh, am I going to have to lie to these, to, like, my two roommates for, like, however long this quarantine's going to happen about why I'm not drinking So in that moment, I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, I just need to tell them. So I sat them down. They had kind of already known what I was going through because I had told my roommates that I was trying to moderate, but never that I was going completely sober. Um, So when I finally sat them down and told them, I had built it up to be like this super scary thing and that they would be asking me all these questions. And it ended up not being anything like that. They were honestly just like, oh, like, that's cool. And and that's what kind mm-hmm. of convinced me to come to terms with the fact that, oh, this probably isn't as big of a deal as I'm making it out to be. And, like, I'm making this change for myself and the people who yeah. I want in my life are going to support me. So, yeah, so the people that aren't supportive, you really don't need those people in your life because you should surround yourself with people that want the best for you. And, I mean, you're making this decision to help yourself, you know, so why would they mm-hmm. make you feel bad for it? I think that's ridiculous <laughs> yeah exactly and I've definitely noticed like I have lost some friends be- since coming out of sober but not my good friends they've been the friends that mm-hmm. I kind of became friends with because I would drink with them and so yeah. now that now that that like that's the only thing that we had in common we don't mm-hmm. really have much in common anymore so I have noticed like 
those type of friends slipping away, but you know, I feel like that just comes with this and that's totally fine. Yeah. And can you say like when when did you first start drinking and like how did your relationship oh, yes. evolve with yes, it? Yes. Because I know that technically I guess you're supposed to start drinking in the US <laughs> at twenty one, as in Europe mm-hmm. at eighteen, but don't think it it ever I mean it yeah. rarely actually happens that way. Um, I, I honestly I don't remember like the first time I drank, but I do remember it was probably around like sixteen or seventeen. And I know like so freshman year of high school, when I was about fourteen or fifteen, I noticed some of my friends started to drink, but I was kind of not like a goody two shoes, but I guess essentially I was. <laughs> like I had a twin sister who kind of did all the experimenting for me. So she was the one getting into drinking trouble and I was the one who was doing homework on Friday (laughs) nights. And so I never really, I never really started as early as them, but, and so I'm not sure like when it started to become something me and my friends did, but I did notice like once I started drinking, it was mainly before our high school football games, everyone would just start drinking and go to the football games hammered. And I noticed once I started doing that, I was getting kind of more acquaintances. I'm not going to say friends because, I mean, I don't think they were my true friends, but started hanging out with more people. And so I think I associated drinking with like popularity and hanging out with people. And so that was kind of, that was my junior year of high school. So then ever since then, like I said, I don't remember when it transitioned to something I did every weekend, but pretty soon that was all me and my friends were doing. Every single weekend, if we were going to dinner, we would drink before it. If we were going to football games, drink before it. House parties, you know, drink before it. So it was literally all we would do all weekend. And it was fine in the beginning. But after, honestly, not even that long of me drinking, I started to notice that I was drinking in a way that was different from my friends where I had trouble stopping. That's always been my problem. Like once I start drinking, I can't stop. So I would be the one blacking out, making a fool out of myself and having my friends have to take care of me or my sister. She went through it Mm. a lot because she was the one who had to take me home and like try and hide me from my parents. And so high school was Mm. really when I gained kind of this like reputation of like the sloppy drunk girl. Like I even, I had an alter ego who my friends called Victoria because I would get like really <laughs> violent and like <laughs> vicious, honestly, when I was drunk, which is like totally not me. And so it's funny how alcohol can really make you yeah. like forget your true self and just me drunk versus me sober is just like night and day. So mm. my friends sat me down a couple of times in high school and had like these mini interventions with me where they'd be like, this is what we're seeing. And like, we want you to get help. And I remember maybe like once or twice in high school telling them I'd go to counseling, but I was honestly just looking forward to graduating high school and moving on to college and university so that I could kind of change my reputation a little, um, which obviously didn't happen. So that plan kind of Mm -hmm. failed, but yeah, so I'm not, I'm not sure like when it, (laughs) I'm not sure when I first started drinking, but I knew like, I knew all along that the way I was drinking wasn't the same as a lot of my friends. I find it interesting that you said as well that you kind of had an alter ego and they even named it. Like they made a name for your alter ego because Leo and I, when we were at uni and we'd go out, we even, we made alter ego names for ourselves. We called (laughs) ourselves uh, Crystal and Brittany, but just just having this conversation now makes me realize that it's like, it's such an odd thing to do to name a person that you become Mm. once you're drinking. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like you're subconsciously acknowledging yeah. that you are a different person. And that's yeah. another thing, like, why it's become so normalized. Like, I know someone that I watch on YouTube whose drunk alter ego is Nastasia, and she's, like, this completely different person. And so <laughs> I think all of this normalization was really what kept me from quitting for so long, even though, like, mm-hmm. obviously I'm only, I'm only 22, so saying for so long doesn't really apply to some people because some people still drink and they're like a lot older. But for me, I knew that I was having issues for years. And so the normalization of first in high school and then the alter ego and then coming to college and seeing the drinking culture here was definitely something where I could, I would feel maybe like guilty or ashamed of something I'd done when drinking, but then someone would normalize it. And then I'd be like, oh, this isn't that bad. And I'd keep the cycle would just continue. Mm-hmm. So from what you're saying, it feels like you yourself knew that the things you were doing weren't, like, you weren't happy with them, but because everyone else was like, yeah, you blacked out, like, that's fine, everyone does it. It just makes you feel like, oh, it's fine. It's not something to actually take back and think of and question if that's what you really want to do. Yeah, and just, like, you both went to uni, so I'm sure the drinking culture is, like, sort of the same, um, yeah. But just like some examples of things that are happening in the United States, college drinking culture that really justified my drinking was like we have like fraternities and sororities and like Greek life here. And so I would I met my current boyfriend freshman year of college. And so he would take me to these like date parties for his fraternity where he'd like you ask a girl and then you go together And I remember one of the themes of the party was, it was like you handcuff yourself to each other and you can't be unhandcuffed until you Mm. finish an entire fifth (laughs) of like vodka. And that was just like a theme of a party and people did it. And I remember like philanthropy events. So like these events that would happen in the morning on the weekends for the different fraternities, people would be drinking at 7, 8, 9 a.m. And just, that's just like totally normalized. Same with like, my friends who go to big football yeah. universities, like with big football teams, if the football game started at 9 a.m., you were drinking at 7 a.m. So it was like seeing all of this behavior around me. I think mm-hmm. it didn't exactly like, I think I still knew that what I was doing was not healthy and not the best, but seeing that behavior around me made it easier to kind of hide in plain sight what I was doing. Yeah. I think it's so interesting what you said before about how you started associating alcohol with popularity because you started like making more mm-hmm. you know party friends I guess when you started drinking and because I think I had such a similar experience in the sense that when I started drinking I felt like I could finally I don't know be who I always wanted to be at parties I guess because I feel like I was quite self-conscious at that age when I started like about mm-hmm. 16 15 And so I then associated alcohol with like, oh, I can be completely, you know, self-confident at parties, at social gatherings, associated it with like attention from guys, Mm -hmm. I think, because I was then like more going to guys. And I don't know how it is for you and your boyfriend, but I met my, well, now ex-boyfriend, but I met him as well at like Freshers Week. So we were both like completely drunk (laughs) at that event. No, I um, <laughs> actually don't remember meeting my boyfriend, if that makes you feel any better. Oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> like I actually it does. do not. And like in the morning, I was like, oh, like he was texting me. I was like, who is this? And then 
Oh my god! He, t- he told me that. Oh, we met last night. And I was like, okay. So that's not what I tell my parents. I tell them that we met at a party. But yeah. <laughs> but I was the same way. Like I used alcohol. I think I I didn't know that I had social anxiety. But like before high school parties and college parties, like when I knew I wasn't going to know people very well, or even if I did know people well, I would drink to kind of combat that, and so that I would feel more confident mm-hmm. and like you said, like be more outgoing, talking to people. Um, but I would obviously always just end up taking it like one step too far. And there's like a fine line between being bubbly, drunk, fun, outgoing. And then there's like the overboard, which is what I always was. So I was really actually probably like hindering my confidence by drinking because I was dealing with all those Mm. negative thoughts afterwards. Yeah, because the anxiety the day after is way worse than whatever you could experience on the night. Oh my gosh, it's the worst. Sometimes I... (laughs) <laughs> I feel I I've noticed lately like when I stay up super late because lately I like ever since I stopped drinking I've kind of become not like a grandma but I just like to go to bed early and wake <laughs> up early <laughs> and so on nights when I stay up like a little bit later like 12 and like I'm hanging out with my friends and they're all drinking I think I subconsciously feel like I should be hung over the next day and so I'll psych myself into feeling hung over and feeling anxiety and then I'm like wait I didn't even drink why do I feel like this <laughs> but anxiety like hangover anxiety as they call it is like definitely one of the number one reasons that I needed to quit because waking I would wake up some mornings just like debilitated with anxiety like having so much that I couldn't even get out of bed thinking about what I might have said and like all the things that I have to do that day that I put off because I was drinking. So it's definitely, that's one of the biggest perks that has come with the sobriety is like my anxiety has decreased so much. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's also going to be one. I'm, I mean, I've now decided that I'm going to go say before I'm going to try. I'm not, I keep saying I'm going to try because I feel like I'm, I'm almost psyching myself yeah. up to fail. <laughs> I need to have more confidence that I can do it. I'm going to do yes, Leo. 100 days sober. <laughs> and (laughs) then kind of see how I feel because I can imagine this being a more long-term thing for me and that's the thing and that just being the way it works best yeah people people ask me they're like how do I not get intimidated by thinking oh this has to be a forever thing and I think that Mm -hmm. is what kind of kept me too from quitting for so long because I was like how the heck am I not going to drink at my wedding at my graduation at all these things and so I kind of future trip Whereas I think you're doing it in a perfect way. Like you first started with dry January, you liked how you felt. And so then you're going to continue for, I don't know, an indefinite amount of time. So if you think too big picture and think about forever, that's when it gets like really scary. And I think that's what deters people. But I have a couple of friends doing dry January, just like you. And it's so cool how like 30 days, just breaking your routine of drinking can really change someone's mindset entirely on alcohol like I have one friend Mm -hmm. who went into dry January just for like health reasons she just wanted to get healthy after the holidays and she's facetimed (laughs) me the other day and she was like oh my gosh I love how I feel like I went to a party sober last night like I did all this stuff and I think I'm going to continue doing it so people can go in with no intention of wanting to continue it and then you just like how you feel so much without it that it becomes something that you want to continue so I think that's awesome I think something else that's interesting as well with quitting alcohol or like doing dry january at least for me was so i i did it just for the sake of trying to tell myself like okay you can do something put if you put your mind to it so i was like okay dry january i'm just not gonna drink for this for the next month but then i, I started waking up with headaches 
And I think those, the headaches that I would wake up with, I probably would have assumed when I was drinking that it's a hangover headache. But now I've realized that actually, no, I'm really dehydrated. So not drinking has made me realize, actually, I need to drink more water. So I've learned more about my body. You know, (laughs) I don't know if it makes sense, but it's something I would have just assumed that it's a symptom of of a hangover, but it wasn't. It was just me being dehydrated and not taking care of myself. Yeah, no, I have had that happen so many times. I used to have like severe stomach pain all the time. And I always thought it was from something I was eating. And since I quit Mm. drinking, like I have not had it in like 10 months, like at all, like it completely went away. So like little things like that, that you think are from something else, they might just honestly be from the alcohol and drinking is allowing you to kind of hide certain things that you might Mm. not and it also just helps you like when you're not drinking you're just more focused on your health I feel like and just more aware of how you feel Mm -hmm. because like you said you're not hungover and you're not I don't know you just have more time to focus on the different aspects of your life that need fixing and that yeah Mm -hmm. I guess going along with that like what would you say have been the biggest benefits of going sober for you oh Well, number one, I would say (laughs) is that my relationships with literally every single person in my life have improved. Uh, My parents, like my friends, my family, my twin sister, like they've all improved because I'm no longer, they can trust me again is the main thing. Like I'm no longer Mm -hmm. promising them Mm -hmm. that I'm going to go to counseling or I'm not, I'm promising them that I'm going to moderate and then I just end up blacking out again. Like I feel like I lost trust with a lot of people in that way. And so getting sober has really allowed people to, they can trust me again. And I've built that back. So that's really cool. And then also just being able to be present in every moment, I think, because I'm embarrassed to say, but when I think back on the last three years of my college experience, like freshman, like first, second, third year, I don't remember much of it. Like I remember studying Mm. and I remember taking tests because that's where I was sober for. But every time I went to the beach, every time I went to a party, Mm. I was always drinking probably in some form and usually not remembering bits and pieces of it. So I think I'm so grateful that I was able to get sober my third year so that I've had this fourth year to fully experience college, I think, in the way that it was meant to be experienced, which is like meeting new people, getting out there. I mean... It's obviously a lot different with the pandemic now. Like we can't really do a lot, but I'm just, Mm. I'm happy and I'm excited for the future to be present in all these moments. Because one thing that definitely future tripped me was thinking about concerts and music festivals, because that's something that I always loved to do. And I could not imagine going to them sober. Like I always thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be, how am I going to do that sober? And then I think back on it and I'm like, There are so many concerts that I spent hundreds of dollars on that I do not remember a single minute of it or like I was, I barely remember Mm. it. And I'm just like looking forward to that aspect of not, of actually just being present and getting my money's worth, honestly, of like the things that I want to (laughs) do. And so, yeah, just like my relationships, being present with people and just like, just my health, just in every aspect. Like I'm, I've always loved working out, hiking, being active, and I always noticed that I was kind of stuck in this cycle of where I would work out super hard, but then drink my body weight in alcohol and like just reverse all the progress that it seemed like I was making. So I felt kind of in this in-between stage, whereas now that I don't drink, yes, I'm not consuming like all those extra calories, but also I am more motivated to wake up in the morning and actually work out. I'm not just lying in bed with a hangover. So those are probably my top three. Lots of perks. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And 
as well with like I feel like the relationships that would be I mean even now I feel like that's that's a big one for me as well because it is you know you you do end up breaking promises to yourself because I don't know how has it been with the relationship to yourself because for me it's been when I've tried to be like okay I don't want to drink as much tonight and then I do end up blacking out then I think the most damage that I do is you know how I trust Mm -hmm. myself I don't know if you've had any like similar experiences no definitely I think so I read this book the first book that I read that convinced me to finally like quit drinking was called This Naked Mind by Annie Grace and she basically just takes all of the beliefs that we have about alcohol and kind of refutes them with science so like one of the beliefs is that alcohol will make me more confident when in reality confidence is like defined one of its definitions is being able to trust yourself and if you're constantly breaking the trust with yourself Mm -hmm. how can you ever be confident and so that Mm -hmm. was like one thing that I was really struggling with was promising myself like you said like I would moderate I wouldn't black out and then just continuing to do it and so I was thinking that alcohol was Mm -hmm. making me more confident when in reality it was just chipping away at my confidence and so I've definitely noticed like yes sometimes going out to little events not that I've gone to a lot because of the pandemic obviously but just the few things that Mm -hmm. I have gone to I've noticed it's totally awkward at first but I'm not numbing myself with alcohol and I'm able to actually be more confident and learn confidence as a sober Mm. person rather than fake confidence when you're drinking if that makes sense yeah no that makes so much sense that sounds like a good book oh it's a really good book I would highly recommend it but I was also going to say that learning to trust myself in the things that I said I was going to do so not just with drinking but also like promising myself I was going to work out in the morning or promising other people that I would go on a hike with them in the morning mm. at like 8 a.m. I used mm. to, with every promise I would make to people, I used to be like, oh, well, there's a chance that I'm not going to make that because I'm too hungover. And that would honestly happen yeah. a lot. And then I couldn't trust myself. Other people couldn't trust me. So now I know like when I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it because I know there's going to be nothing that keeps me from doing that. No hangover, no yeah. getting too drunk. And so that's definitely been something that's really important. I like how you said that there is, um, like, the initial awkwardness when you're hanging out sober, but I feel like most mm-hmm. of the time we feel it's awkward because we're comparing it to how we act when we're drunk because that becomes our new normal of what normal social interactions are like. But most mm-hmm. of the time it is going to be awkward. You're going you're gonna to have so many things you want to talk about, but you don't find the time to say it. And we just we keep comparing, I think, at least me, I compare myself sometimes, how, I, how I'm acting when I'm drunk. I compare that to mm-hmm. when I'm sober and I just assume that the normal way of acting is the drunk way, you know? Does that make sense? Well, yeah, I totally get that. And I think that also just comes with the fact that whenever people don't know what to do with each other, it's, oh, let's go get drinks or let's drink. And especially in yes. the college culture, mm-hmm. like when I, I remember when I first moved into my house, our neighbors came over and they were like, oh, when are we drinking together? Like that was the first thing that we were going to yeah. do to like <laughs> bond with them. So it's, it's like it's just so normalized that like you said like that is what we think of as normal when I remember yeah I I remember the first time that I tried to quit drinking I made it like 45 days at the beginning of 2020 and then 
I got caught up in this mindset of, oh, am I actually happy or sober? Because I was avoiding hanging out with my friends. I was avoiding going to events because I was trying not to drink Mm -hmm. and that was too much of a temptation. So then I got into this mindset of, I'm not actually happier like this. This isn't what I want to do. And so then I tried drinking again. And I remember going, I went to this like brewery with a couple of my friends and they were all drinking and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to have one. And so I remember before I had the one, I was chatty. I was talking with everyone um, and we were just having a good time. And then I remember the second that I drank and started feeling like slightly buzzed. I remember just immediately thinking about, oh, where's my next drink going to come from? How can I sneak more? How can I enhance this feeling? And so Mm. it really did. It took away from Mm. the social experience. I wasn't as chatty. I wasn't talking. I wasn't involved in the conversation because I was only thinking about where I was going to get my next drink. And so when we compare our social interactions to when we're drunk, it's really like night and day because sober conversations and sober interactions, yes, they might be awkward at first, but you end up getting to a deeper level of talking and yeah. or understanding each yeah. other. Whereas I notice when I'm drunk and when I'm talking to people, I usually just want to talk about like surface level things, like either other people. I usually, I remember I ended up talking like a lot more about other people and judging other people than I would like to admit when I was drinking, mm. because that was just something that's so easy mm. to talk about is other people. Whereas now like that I'm sober, I really truly try not to talk about others in a negative way because I think when we're drinking, that's obviously just like something that's so easy and so natural. So yeah, yes, they can be awkward, but in the end, like social interactions more valuable. Yeah, more valuable. Exactly. I feel the same way. I think another like common misconception is this notion that we're our true selves when we're drunk as in like okay it limits you know it gets your barriers down and then you're going to speak the truth or be your true self and I know that for me that was always what made me so unsure about even like who I am because I was like okay like the things that I'm doing drunk don't align with my values as a sober person which is why like they cause me so much anxiety the next day and you think why did I say this yeah like is it because actually deep down inside I'm like that's what I actually want to do I don't know I think it's weird that that's you know alcohol is a toxic substance which literally alters your mind but still we think that that's what brings out our true selves yeah it's like that quote I don't know if you heard it like drunk words are sober thoughts and Mm -hmm. that's that's totally something that I used to think as well and it definitely does make you forget your true self like I am a completely different person when I'm drunk and I feel like one of the reasons why I didn't like I said before like want to come out as sober was because I didn't want that to become my identity but I've realized like that sobriety is actually yes it's awkward at first yes it could be uncomfortable but it is the stepping stone that's going to allow you to rediscover your true self because I Mm. forgot my true self for Mm. so many years I feel like because I was only paying attention to either drinking or recovering from drinking or building back the relationships that I'd ruined from drinking. Basically, my entire life was centered around drinking. I didn't get excited about anything that didn't involve alcohol. And so now that I'm sober, I'm slowly learning like who I am again, if that makes sense, and like what I actually like to do that yeah. doesn't involve alcohol and who I actually want to become and like the type of person that I want to be. Yeah, that gives me a lot of hope. I think that sounds like really <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> if you had to describe in adjectives, like how would you describe drunk you? So I guess Victoria yeah. versus like sober you. Yeah, 
That's so <laughs> funny you asked that because I'm in this dry January group just because I was really good and independent in my sobriety for the first like six months. And then by month seven, I kind of felt like I needed a bit more support from other people. And so I joined this mm -hmm. group. I pay like 10 bucks a month and it's like all women and we meet on Zoom. And so I'm in this dry January group for that. And one of the questions Aww. she asked was, it was like a journaling exercise. And she was like, write down two words. One of them, describe your drunk self. And one of them, describe your sober self. <laughs> and so it's so funny that you asked that. But the way, so the two words I wrote down was, <laughs> My drunk self, I said that I was, my word was stuck because like I said before, I was stuck in making promises to myself, other people, and then not following up on them. Or I was stuck in my progress at the gym. I was working out hard and drinking a lot. And, or I was stuck just in life. I didn't feel like I was progressing. I just felt like I was stuck in one place, especially in school and my job that I have. I was never... I was just kind of floating by and not doing anything to make me stand out. And so now that I am sober, I picked my word was passionate because I can't no. remember the last time that I wasn't super excited to get out of bed. Like I'm so excited every morning to wake up because I have like this new passion of helping others with what they're going through and just I have more mm -hmm. things that I'm passionate about because before, like when I was drinking, I remember saying that my passions were working out and I don't even know what else I said, like cooking, but I truly didn't think those were my passions at that time. Like I was always dreading working out. I felt like it was something I had to do, whereas now it's something that I have mm -hmm. found that I really enjoy and it's a good stress reliever. So I think, like I said before, like, like getting sober has made me discover my true self and discover what my passions are. And so I think just all around overall... Everything that I do in life, including school, work, whatever I'm doing, I'm just more passionate when I'm doing it. I love that. So would you say that your Instagram page and your blog and YouTube, like, would you say that's a big uh, source of self-support? Does it act as a way for you to keep going? And yeah. or do you feel like sometimes it might stress you out? I have this dilemma where I think sometimes um, like making accounts about things that you're trying to do for yourself and you're trying mm -hmm. to support others can sometimes be harder because you dilutes like the intention of it are you doing it for yourself or are you doing it because there's the social pressure now from others online so I'm wondering how's your experience making this account now yeah um and then like with your with you being sober do you feel like you're doing it for yourself or yeah I think that that is a great question I think definitely in the beginning it was I I first got sober for me and I think I've I'll always know that I got sober for me. I think now that I do have mm -hmm. this Instagram page and like I do have sort of like an audience who is asking me things, I kind of feel this accountability almost to stay sober because mm -hmm. I feel like yeah. there's people that look up to me and people that ask me for advice. And so honestly, sometimes when I have a craving to drink or that I want to drink, I can think, oh, but there's all these people that are counting on me, so I'm not going to drink. So that's like one of the things that keeps me from yeah. drinking. Whereas when I was trying to hide this and when it was all a secret, there was no one to stop me and like nothing to hold yeah. me accountable. And so it was easy for me to just continue drinking. So mm. in that sense, it has helped keep me sober. And in that sense, I'm doing it for me, but also feeling like I'm doing it for other people because people do come up to me for advice. And that's kind of 
something that I'm also struggling with is knowing like, yes, I'm 10 months sober, but in the grand scheme of things that like grand scheme of things, that is not a very long time. And there's people who have been sober for so much longer. And so I don't have all the answers, but I think people can relate to me. Like that's the number one thing that people say is they can relate to my story because I have chosen to be vulnerable and just like say it all, you know? And so when, when people come to me for advice, I struggle with, sometimes I don't know what to say. And then I try and like come up with something that other people would say, but then I'm like, no, if I don't know, if I don't know how to respond to this, I'm not going to pretend like I do. So I'm starting to learn to be like, you know, I don't have the answer to this, but here are some resources that I have liked, or here are some people that I follow that know more about Mm -hmm. this. And so knowing that I don't have to be the holy grail of sobriety for these people, because I am just like just starting my journey, just like all of them. Like, yes, I'm more into it rather than like the people who are only like a month, a week sober, but there's mm-hmm. so many more people out there that know more than me. So I'm focused on learning as much as I can while also helping in the ways that I'm capable of helping. I do think it is easier to to listen to someone that's going through the same thing at the same time rather than someone that has been through it in the past. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so I so I think that's the, the aspect with your uh, blog and YouTube videos and Instagram is the authenticity of it that you're saying, if I don't know this, I don't know this. And we'll figure it out together. You know, mm-hmm. this is what I'll, I'll look at. And I just think that's really nice that you're creating a space, especially for young uh, adults that are trying to become sober, mm-hmm. which is not a common thing at all. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, and I almost feel like, this is weird, but I almost miss, like, when I was earlier in my sobriety. Like, I miss when I was only a month sober, two months sober, because at that point it was so exciting. And it was, like, this new thing that yeah. I had. And, like, I was just so excited about it. And so now when I when people come to me and they're like, oh, I'm a week sober, I'm a month sober, I was like, oh, wow, like I remember that feeling of being excited that you're making this change <laughs> in your life. And now that I'm like almost 10 yeah. months, it's kind of, I'm worried that people are going to stop relating to me because I like, let's say when I hit a year, because I remember when I was first getting sober and I would see people that were a year sober, I didn't feel like I related to them because they had already done this Mm. for a year and I was just getting started. So I'm not like worried, but I'm kind of concerned. Like the relatability aspect of what I'm doing is going to wear off like the longer I'm sober, which doesn't mean like I should go drink Mm. and then relate to them more. But like, but I do think then when you hit a year, you'll then be kind of targeting others that have just made it to a year. And you never know, there might be people that have, have just hit a year and then they'll start, you know, doubting themselves, like, I've done it for a year, do I really want to do this? So then I think with every timeline in your life, you'll always experience different obstacles, and at least one person will relate to you, I think. Yeah, that's a really But good I, point. I understand, like, the novelty of it. Mm. And I also think that the actual, like, relatability of your story isn't going to change, because, I mean, fact is, there's so, I mean, from what I've seen, there's so little people our age that are putting themselves out online, speaking about their story with struggling with alcohol in college and all of these different experiences like that is not going to change just because you've hit a year sober yeah, you're right so I think that that aspect of relatability is still always you know gonna be the same and I think what people always or at least what I always connect to the most is just like people being vulnerable and open and I think that as long as like you stay 
honest and like vulnerable as you have been I think that is what's you know that because people can tell if like people are are lying or like pretending that they've got everything together when it's when that's not actually the case thank you for saying that that makes me feel a lot better and I definitely that (laughs) kind of makes me I just thought like I'm I'm happy that I started my blog earlier than I started my YouTube channel because I've noticed that I have two different perspectives like on my blog the first blog post that I ever Mm. put out was my story and so but that was when I was like 30 days sober. And so telling my story from that perspective versus when I made my YouTube channel and posted that video, that was when I was five or six months sober. And so that's me telling my story at that point in my life. So I'm excited that I have like these mm. intervals where I can, and in in a year, I can probably tell my story again and it'll be like completely different because now yeah. I have more advice to give. So I'm happy. That's the cool part about like the internet is that I have all of these like kind of markers of my journey just out there that Mm. people can find which one they relate to the most and then run with that one. Yeah, like a little time capsule. Yeah. Yeah, And yeah, it's a space for you as well to look back. Like if you ever want to know, you know, how far have I come? You could always look back to your first ever uh, blog post Mm -hmm. of you being like, I'm 30 days sober. Like it's so I think it's such a nice idea because we feel the same way with our podcast. It's like we're always (laughs) we're excited for the future when we get to look back at you know the first episode and be like wow that was crap like yeah. editing skills <laughs> yeah. I know I'm still at the point like right now where I'm like oh my videos are like pretty good I'm editing them good but I know one day I'm gonna look back and be like oh my god like what was I doing <laughs> yeah no we feel the same way but that's what life is all but about that's just the it's curse a, of getting yeah, older it's all about improving and mm. improving on your skills yeah and, yeah yeah continuing to grow And I mean, I guess that's why there's so many other steps that you could take, because I mean, maybe the next step would be as in further along the line, you could even, you know, write your own book and like, I don't know, put your blog post together, because I know that so many of the people that started out writing a blog have made it into Mm -hmm. a book. I would love to write a book. That's honestly one of my long term goals. I don't know what it would be about. It would probably be about my journey, but I'm sure there'd be other things. I just feel like I need a bit more life experience before I do that, but I would love to do that. <laughs> and I, I love your writing. I would, I would definitely buy oh, your book. Thank so. you. Thank got, you so much. Got your I'll dedicate it to you. Customer. To the Marching Diaries. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> yes. I mean, speaking of books, like, because you mentioned this Naked Mind, which I'm going to order after this mm-hmm. call. Um, but which other, like, resources, I guess, like, blogs or podcasts or books do you feel like have helped you the most? Yeah, so this Naked Mind was definitely... I. I didn't read it before I got sober. I had already made the decision to get sober. So I think I was like 30 days when I started it, but it really solidified like me wanting to be sober. So that was definitely my number one. And then I read this book called The Sober Lush. Um, it's by Amanda Iyer Ward and Jardine Liber. I don't really know how to say their names, but it's basically like every <laughs> every chapter it's not like a book that flows like chapter by chapter it's every chapter is different and it kind of brings into perspective like the joy of sober life because I definitely feel like at the beginning I was feeling like oh how am I gonna have fun sober and this book really shows you like life's little things that you don't need alcohol for and make it so exciting oh yeah so that's one of them and then I listened to this podcast called The Seltzer Squad, and it's these two women. They're a lot older than me, so I I don't relate to them too much, but I think they're hilarious, and they just talk about, like, their drinking days and, like, 
it's mainly just funny because they were such shit shows, but they know they were shit shows, so they like talk about it openly, <laughs> and it's funny. Um, but I also love that one more is called The Dry Life with Kayla Lyons, and she actually runs the Instagram page One Thousand Hours Dry, um, and she in her podcast. Oh, I think I found yeah, that. In her podcast, she picks one person to interview and then I love it because it's basically you're it sounds like you're just listening to a conversation between them, which is kind of like obviously what all podcasts Aww. are, but it's super <laughs> mellow and chill and she just like is so real and is asking about other people's stories and so she's she's been sober for like 4 years, but she's someone that I look up to in my own sobriety. Oh. Mm. And then also just like getting professional help if you need it because that was one thing that I was so scared of was going to my first counseling appointment because I was like, oh, once I do this, then this is going to be real and I'm actually going to have like know that mm. I have this problem, but yeah. I almost didn't go to my first counseling appointment. My boyfriend literally drove me there and watched me walk in because if he hadn't, like I definitely would have just skirted and not gone in but going to that and admitting to this person that I was dealing with this and did make it real but it also was the start of my healing journey so I think a lot of people can be afraid of asking for help but that's how we Mm. grow and that's how we learn from other people so Speaking of your boyfriend, (laughs) we we read the blog post that your boyfriend wrote about his side of the story. And then we want to know what advice would you give to someone, like how to approach someone else who has alcohol problems? Yeah. So people ask me that a lot. And I always tell them, Mm. like, I really can't speak to that because personally, like, obviously I was the one who was dealing with it. So I didn't have someone close to me. But when they do ask me that, I always kind of talk about that blog post and I talk about what I learned from my Mm -hmm. boyfriend. So basically he says, one of the things he says was just, it's important if you see them going through this to just speak up no matter what that looks like. Because even if they ignore you, like I remember when he would tell me like, this is what I'm seeing from you. I'm just wondering if it's healthy. I remember I would deny, deny, deny and like not listen to what he was saying. But him Mm. saying that planted a seed kind of in my head and made me think like, oh, Mm. other people are noticing like this isn't just something I can keep inside anymore. Like other people are noticing. So even though I was denying it and it may look like to him, I was denying it and not listening. I was really listening and it it really got like kind of the gears going and got me thinking about it. So whatever that looks yeah. like for you, just like telling them what you see, not like in an, in an accusatory way, like this is what you see. I think you need to stop drinking, but just telling them maybe <laughs> I've noticed that you haven't been as happy lately, or there's certain things that you're doing that mm-hmm. might not be healthy. Just planting the seed is important because it may not seem like they're listening, but I guarantee you they are. And then with that, he also said just having patience because, like, for me, when I first went to counseling, it took me from that moment, it took me six months to actually finally take my last drink and get sober. And in those six months, I was – because I didn't go to counseling with the goal of becoming sober. I just wanted to learn to moderate my drinking. And so Mm -hmm. I – in those six months, I was moderating, and then I'd give up and just black out, or I'd make it a few days. So – it just takes time. Like I know, like my dad, for instance, decided he wanted to go sober and then never drink again. Like he never really needed any other help. He went to AA, but like never relapsed, never did anything. And then there's some people oh, who wow. 
make it wow. a week and they and it just takes a long time so the journey is different for everyone and it, even though it may not seem like they're mm-hmm. listening and it may not seem like they're not trying having patience is definitely important because I think one day they will it takes everyone it's a different bottom for everyone you know some people might go to jail yeah. or some people might just not like the way they feel and so you have to come to terms with it on your own no one else is going to convince you to quit drinking it has to be something that comes from inside so just mm-hmm. having patience with them and allowing them to get to that point by yeah. themselves is important I think what you're saying applies to many different scenarios so even like people with eating disorders that don't mm-hmm. want to come out and admit it if people confront them like at least me when I was younger I had a bad eating disorder and whenever my sister would point at my I have a twin sister as well by the way oh <laughs> but so cool. whenever she'd um yeah but whenever she'd point at like at my dinner plate and she'd be like Kara there's barely any food there you know you're not eating enough you, you're putting so little I'd get so defensive and be like you don't know what you're talking about like mm. I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine but I'd know I wasn't and but I just didn't want to admit it yeah. but I think Yeah. yeah, it's like you're saying, hearing others around you notice your behavior and kind of saying it as well. Even if you you're defensive at that time, it, it does stick with you. It mm-hmm. stays in your head. Exactly. Yeah, that's a really good example. I, I also used to struggle with an eating disorder and I've definitely noticed many mm. similarities in the way that I dealt with that and the way that I dealt with sobriety. So I think I'm actually going to make either like a post, a blog post or a video on that soon because... It's it's funny how like all Yeah, that would be so interesting. Yeah, like all addictive behaviors, they can differ, but they all kind of yeah. stem from like the same pattern. Mm. Yeah, cuz I it's so interesting that you say that because I mean me and Kara were having like a similar conversation about this before cuz I also struggled with like disordered eating and I feel like they both like my alcohol consumption and my disordered eating kind of started at the same time and I think not necessarily that they're linked but i think they both stem from the same root problem mm-hmm. as in like because it's obviously lacking trust or confidence in yourself because mm-hmm. i guess with food it is that you don't trust your body to moderate you know the amount of food that you're eating freely you're not trusting yourself to eat intuitively and then with alcohol it's you're not trusting yourself or you're not happy or confident enough in yourself as you are Mm. and I don't know I've, I've never really spoken I've never really seen this like link between I don't know eating disorders and alcohol consumption mm-hmm. problems talked about on the internet I don't know so I, or if it you know it's not as commonly spoken of because mm-hmm. I haven't seen yeah I think yeah I obviously don't know yeah. everything about the link but I think it'd be cool just to like share my perspective on it because I also noticed like I I had an eating disorder and eighth and ninth grade so when I was really young or like a lot younger and so mm. I thought I think that I recovered from it when in reality like once I got sober I started to see all these patterns come up again in the way that I was thinking about myself and about my eating and so I think drinking for so many years mm. allowed me to like not focus on the other things in my life that need improving whereas mm. now that I don't because I was so focused on alcohol and so focused on building back my relationships and recovering from drinking. And so now that I don't drink, I'm starting to see all these things in my life that maybe I neglected. Um, and one of them is my mindset towards eating and my body and everything. So that's like my next thing that I'm really trying to work on. That's so interesting. Yeah, how it kind of prevented you from, maybe it's almost like subconscious protective mechanism yeah. of your brain, mm-hmm. you know, like trying to shield yourself from that destructive behavior. But in, you know, choosing an unhealthy coping me- mechanism <laughs> mm-hmm. and like jumping to the next 
destructive behavior. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you kind of mentioned like rock bottoms earlier on. Do you feel like you had like one of those rock bottom moments? Or do you feel like there was kind of like just multiple moments that added up to like your ultimate decision? Yeah, I'd say it was like an accumulation of different things. I like I got a minor in possession ticket when I was like under the under the age under legal drinking age and I was caught with alcohol and I did like a bunch of other things that were like embarrassing but I don't think I ever I never like went to jail I never got a DUI so I never did like the Mm -hmm. typical rock bottoms but mine was kind of just realizing that I was just tired of like I saw this quote I remember and it was like one of the things that really got me thinking it was real growth starts when you're tired of your own shit and I was just tired of waking up (laughs) with anxiety tired of having to spend all of the next day after drinking you know apologizing to people or overcome with anxiety and so I think just tired of feeling the way that I was feeling and tired of you know seeing my life not go anywhere and tired of being stuck was what was kind of my bottom Mm. and what really convinced me that I needed to make a change. Is there any advice you'd give to people that are trying, like starting out with their sobriety and uh, possibly with it, like socializing and stuff? Is there any advice you could give them to to them dealing with peer pressure? Yeah, Um, I would say, I think the number one thing, like it was definitely very intimidating for me to think about going to social things when I was sober because... Mm -hmm. Like you said, like peer pressure is very real. And I remember a couple of times when I didn't, I wasn't telling anyone that I was trying to quit drinking yet. And I would go to these events and like, I'd be like, okay, now I'm gonna, I'm not going to drink at this event. And then people would peer pressure me and then I'd drink because they didn't really know um, mm. what I was doing. And so it's definitely going to be awkward and hard at first. And I think the number one thing is like in the beginning when you're trying to quit, just avoid the things that you think are going to be tempting. Like I remember I didn't want to be seen as like the boring sober girl. And so I would go to all the things that I, that I used to go to, I would go to all the parties and everything. And then I quickly realized that that was just too tempting early on. And so once I stopped going to those things and I started getting more comfortable in my sobriety, then I was able to actually go to these things um, and not feel like my sobriety was on the line. But Mm-hmm. It is going to be hard at first, but once once you start seeing progress in these little aspects of your life, whether it's physical, like you feel healthier, your skin looks better, your hair looks better, whatever, or whether it's with your relationships with others, it's kind of like a snowball effect. Like once you start seeing how good you can feel without alcohol and once you start learning about kind of the dangers of alcohol, it's hard to unlearn that type of stuff and unfeel it. And mm-hmm. so once you start seeing all yeah. these benefits – the benefits are just going to add up, add up, and it's going to be like the snowball effect. You're going to realize like, oh, maybe I am happy or sober. But as for like, if you're just getting started, I think reading Quit Lit, which is like books on how to quit drinking and just connecting with others who are going through the same thing was (laughs) such a cool term. (laughs) I love that term. Um, Connecting with (laughs) others is like the number one thing that has kept me sober. I think for in the long run, like definitely Mm -hmm. at the beginning, it was like reading books and seeing all the benefits but now that I've kind of seen all the benefits and read a lot of books now the number one thing that's keeping me sober is connecting with like-minded people um which is why I don't know if you guys know this I like host meetings like zoom meetings for younger 
college-aged people, like sober or sober curious people. Yeah. I think I saw on your story. I wanted to join one of them, but obviously the the time zone yeah. difference. Like, so didn't... I've actually been doing them on the weekends in the morning. So I do some on like Tuesday nights for me, which wouldn't work for you guys, but I've been doing, I did two one last weekend, which is like 10 a.m. my time. So I know some people from the Netherlands who joined. It was like 7 p.m. their time. I don't know if that's the same time zone as you guys. Oh, amazing. But I will yeah. send you the information and stuff, and you guys can join them if you want. Mm. Yeah, I would love to join. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's so good. Basically having sober friends, because mm-hmm. it just means you're surrounding yourself with people that don't feel that pressure as well to be drinking, and they can have fun yeah. without drinking. And it's yeah. not you're not mm-hmm. surrounding yourself with toxic people that make you feel boring for not drinking and choosing not to drink yeah exactly like weeding out those friends that you know are going to support you versus the ones who aren't is definitely super important yeah do you have any like common phrases that you would use like if somebody if you're at a party or at a gathering like what would you say if somebody asked like oh do you want to drink like would you say I'm not drinking tonight or do you say I'm sober do you just make sure that you always have a drink in hand like how would you go about that yeah so to be honest I like I said quit drinking in March, so right when the pandemic hit. So I honestly haven't really been to any social events. And the ones that I have been to, I know everyone there and they all know that I don't drink. But I do remember mm-hmm. like when mm-hmm. I was when I was first quitting and when the pandemic like wasn't happening and I would go to bars, I remember like you said, like having a drink in my hand. So like I would get sparkling water and lime so it kind of looked like a vodka soda or something. Or if you don't want to say to people like, oh, I'm sober, some common things that I've heard people say are just like, oh, I like how I feel when I don't drink or I'm much happier when I don't drink. And people can't, those are like excuses. Like if you come up with an excuse that's like, oh, I work early in the morning, people might be like, oh, YOLO, like still drink, whatever. Mm -hmm. But if you come up with an excuse that is like talking about yourself and your happiness, like, oh, I'm so much happier when I don't drink or when I feel better, people aren't going to try and make you drink if that's what you tell them and if they do and it's not a fake excuse it's you genuinely feel that way so yeah exactly but now I feel like I'm such an open book that if people were to ask me I'd be like oh I'm sober like I actually don't drink but mm-hmm. like before yeah definitely I definitely was that's I wasn't a that pretty good tip though I mean I guess speaking of like COVID how do you feel like that has impacted you like do you think it's helped you because there's been less social situations where you've been confronted with that many people or do you think it's been harder because I know that obviously lots of people actually drank more last year versus less I did yeah that's what (laughs) that's what I was talking about with this other group that I was in it was like the pandemic either had two effects one it made people reevaluate their drinking and like helped people get sober which was what it did for Mm me or two people just ramped up their drinking because they had nothing else to do and Mm -hmm. I think for me it definitely helped because I remember the last day that I drank, it was like one of the last days that I had in-person class. And so after that day, I, people were going home and like there wasn't any parties or events to go to. So in that sense, it really did help me. Um, But I am nervous for when things start to open up back again, because I haven't really experienced normal, quote unquote, normal life sober. Mm -hmm. So... I know that's going to be a new challenge in itself. Like right now I'm pretty comfortable with where I'm at. I'm feeling good in my sobriety. But I know like once that happens, that's going to be 
something that I am going to have to deal with when it happens, but that's not a problem yeah. for right now. I'm just going to think <laughs> about that later. <laughs> yeah. Future trip. I look forward to reading about it on, on your blog. I will definitely be talking about it. So, I mean, because Leo, you were thinking the same thing, weren't you? Because you were saying you're trying to reduce your drinking and stuff now. But it's become easy because you're not really surrounded by those pressure, like external factors that mm-hmm. usually contributed to you drinking. So, I'm, I'm, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but it was something we were talking about the other day that you're eager to see how your relationship with alcohol, alcohol will play out once you, you know, go back to normal London life with the grants. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope because I, I actually, I went vegan in uh, March last year. And I feel like for me, that was kind of like a, I mean, it's completely different, but I feel like being in the pandemic mm-hmm. made it also easier to go vegan, like make that first transition because I was mm-hmm. able to cook everything for myself and, you know, all of those things that normally would make it hard, for example, like eating in work cafeteria or going out for dinners and all of that were removed. But then now, if I then now go out to restaurants, I feel very confident, and I have been out to restaurants, I feel very confident that I can easily stick with being vegan because it's just like so part of my lifestyle now. So I guess I'm kind of hoping that it'll be similar with not drinking but it kind of just becomes so part of you know who you are and that's so true yeah yeah <laughs> I guess like as some our final questions because we don't want to keep you for too long we've already been <laughs> talking for like over an hour um we wanted to ask you what is one thing that you wish you could tell younger stuff oh that's a good one no one's ever asked me that um <laughs> I think when I look back on like videos of myself like drunk or blacked out, um, I think I I can tell that I'm just not happy and I can tell that I'm using alcohol to combat anxiety and I'm using it kind of to forget the stress of the day and to numb myself. And so when I look back at those, I wish that I could just tell that person that, you know, it's gonna be okay and like you don't you don't need alcohol to have fun and that I think I was so worried about what other people think but the number one thing I would say to her would just be like your perception of yourself is so much more important than what others think of you so if people are going to judge you for doing this that's on them but if this is if getting sober is going to make you feel better and make your life improve and your health improve, then that's all that should really matter. And same with like starting my blog and my YouTube channel. I've been wanting to start a YouTube channel since I was like 15. And I always put it off because I was so afraid of what others thought of me. But once I let go of kind of that Mm -hmm. fear and just started doing things that I wanted to do, I've noticed that my life has drastically improved and I've been more vulnerable and connected with more people um because I'm not so worried about other people's perceptions of me anymore I love that yeah I actually wrote down I'm, I mean I've been kind of taking notes obviously throughout this episode and I mm-hmm. I wrote down I love that this um your perception of yourself is so much more important than what others think of you because it's mm-hmm. I think that's so true that's like because I feel like my old like my definition of success has shifted over the years as well and I feel like now my definition of success is just that I'm happy and content with who I am. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of the number one goal to get to. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Okay, and then one final question would just be, 
Who is one influential woman that you look up to and why? Oh, hmm. One influential woman. <laughs> I look up to a lot of women. I think women are obviously awesome. And obviously my yeah. mother <laughs> and my grandmother and all the influential people in my life. But besides like my family members and the people that I know personally, one person that I've always, always looked up to is Lauren Elizabeth. Do you know her? Oh, she, yeah. She's a YouTuber, right? Yeah, she's a YouTuber. And, and she's also gone sober yeah. last year, right? Mm-hmm. So I've watched her yeah, yeah. since I was like 15 or 16. Literally, probably have seen every single one of her videos. And she <laughs> came out as sober when I was like two months sober already. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is a sign. <laughs> like Aww. the fact that she's sober. Yeah. And so I've just always admired her for being vulnerable in like her mental health battles and everything. Um, I listen to her podcast all the time. So she's definitely a very influential person in my life and she actually follows my blog account no way yeah I like I posted a that's insane I posted a story and like tagged her in it I forget what it was oh it was like a boochcraft because that's what she always drinks it's like this ginger boochcraft and so I was trying it um and she like saw that and then I guess must have looked at my account and followed me and so now sometimes we'll like dm back and forth just like little things um so she's definitely like a really big role model in my life. It's so sweet. That is so cool. Yeah, yeah I've watched her videos for years mm-hmm. and also I love her podcast too. Yeah. Very up my alley with like the different, I mean, moods. I mean, the name is iconic, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> True. Well, thank you so, so much for taking the time yeah, out thank day you. to speak thank you to guys. us. Thank you guys. This was so fun. I feel like this has been like a really therapeutic conversation for me personally. <laughs> so thank you very much. Like, I agree. Oh, very selfish reasons i have loved this very much (laughs) this was a good good start to my day (laughs) yes (laughs) well i hope you have a good rest of the day yeah right guys speak to you soon bye bye